0: Burrow from the pocket, launches to the end zone, caught! Touchdown, Chase! And LSU takes its first lead tonight. Bringing it. Up. Burrow's got time, launching for the end zone, jump ball, touchdown, turns Marshall! LSU
1: is atop the college football world again, first time in 12 years, win the national championship, first time since 2007, Ed Orgeron. How about Ed Orgeron atop the college football world for the first time really ever? Andrew Doughty, Chase Kitty here on the High Motor Podcast, kind of putting a final bow on the college football season. I know that we did a podcast right after the regular season ended, or maybe it was the the week after conference championships, where we kind of also put a bow on the college football season, but we're going to do Uh, a little bit more today, we're going to do a little bit of an apology tour, play some You're Wrong. I'm going to have FCS writer Sam Hurd around. He'll be on the show uh, after Chase and I talk. We're going to talk about some North Dakota State FBS stuff. But first, some LSU stuff, some Ed Orgeron stuff. And Chase, I want to ask you something really quickly before we kind of get fired up into this LSU, Orgeron, uh, You're Wrong, all that stuff. And this is probably going to segue into that. So... I'm going to give you three time frames here. Before the game, at any point from the the semifinal to, to before the national championship was actually played, after the game on Monday night, so directly after the game on Monday night, and now here we're talking on Tuesday early evening, right after Adam Schefter's report that Joe Brady is leaving. So if I asked you this question at those three time periods, again, before the game, immediately after the game, and then now a day later that we actually know Joe Brady is gone, if I said, over under one and a half national championships for Ed Orgeron as head coach at LSU. How would your answer have gone for each of those time periods?
0: Ooh, great question. First of all, Um...
1: and I tweeted it out and I have to go back to see, I tweeted out before the game and I I can't remember what it was, but I, I think people were leaning to the over on that. And I thought that was kind of interesting based upon how hard it is to win a national championship. So that's why I'm giving you those three time periods because We've had three serious developments, obviously LSU winning the one, so they only need one more to get the over, and now Joe Brady being gone. So where would you have been at during those three time periods, and obviously where are you at right now with Brady? I mean, he hasn't officially left yet, but that Adam Schefter report is usually as good as gold. So where would you have been before, right after, and then now?
0: Um, I think if you asked me right after, I would be right 50-50 on the line, because once you have that one in hand, like, you know, you can count on it, right? It exists. It, it It's solid. Uh, it's reality. Uh, and so I, I think I would have probably leaned, I mean, just dead down the middle, maybe over, maybe under, I, I would have been really waffly at the time, but before the game and right now, I definitely have a, I would have a strong lean on the under. And I'll tell you why uh, I, I don't, the, the big part is what you've already said, which is it's just so hard to win a national championship, right? I feel like this is a conversation we have a lot with the NBA, right? Like, over under number of championships LeBron will have for his career. Do you go over or under three and a half right now today? And I think a lot of people go, well, you have to go over, and like, do you? Because it's really hard to win one, and even when you're as great as LeBron, you can't count on the idea that you're gonna get another one. So well, when there's you-
1: so many more things that can derail that. I mean, he could just get injured, and there goes at least that year and maybe multiple seasons, whereas so many things have to go right, even if your team is—I'm not even an NBA guy, but from what I understand, like, so many things even had to go right with all those dominant Warriors teams to actually win it, right? Whereas to lose it, not to get the over, only, like, one thing has to go wrong.
0: Right, and, and especially—I I, don't—this I don't, isn't the spot for us to have a, a prolonged NBA conversation, but, like, when you look at what the Lakers have asset-wise, like, they basically have— to make all their moves in free agency for the foreseeable future because of everything they gave up to get Anthony Davis. So how does that translate back to college football? LSU plays in the sec West, right? And that's a double-edged sword. The good thing is you have a margin for error. You can still lose and, and get in the playoff. And a lot of teams don't have that luxury, but there are when they inevitably come down after this year, losing both Burrow and Brady, they're going to have to restructure how they go about attacking this whole thing. And there's going to be a lot of potential pitfalls in that SEC West. I don't know how you feel about some of the some of the coaching changes that have happened in the SEC West over the past couple weeks, but they're always going to have to go through Alabama, and you know there's going to be some. Some changes, some differences. And I think Joe Brady is a huge part of why they've been successful this year. Obviously, that's not breaking, you know, that's not breathtaking analysis on my part. But it feels like the under for me, under one and a half championships. Not because Ed Orgeron is, you know, some overrated head coach now that he's won a national championship, just because you need a lot of things to go right and they're going to lose so much of what made them successful between, you know, their quarterback and then their sort of quarterback master.
1: Before I tell you why I love Ed Orgeron, let me float this to you. It's kind of sad that Ed Orgeron will probably get fired as LSU head coach. Just going with the odds. I mean, it's kind of like a relationship. When you start dating somebody, you're either going to get married or you're going to break up, right? Those are the only two options there. So just going with the odds... And it's not like if, if Ed John was like 65 and coached like five years and then retired, he's still only 58 years old. I mean, you would, I don't know what his health is like, but you would think that he would still have at least 10, 12, 13, whatever years in him. So being at 58, like there's, there's a really good chance that he will get fired as LSU head coach. I think that's kind of sad.
0: Yeah. I mean, go back to less miles, how much success did Les miles have in that job? And you know, that's how his career ends. So he, that's I think that's just the nature of what these coaches sign up for. I think they know that. I think they know the game, you know. It's you you look at politics, most politicians you either lose or you're in office, you know, forever until you're old and you retire or you die, you know? That it's kind of the same thing. Uh coaches and and politicians like that's just kind of what you sign up for. You're not going to have a happy ending statistically.
1: God, so much analysis today. Joe Brady is good. Politicians are going to either win or lose. A relationship's either going to end if they break up, or you're going to get married.
0: You know what it is? It's all the it's all that oxygen in in my brain right now after the run.
1: Let me tell you why I love Ed Orgeron, and I think that you we generally have the same opinion as him, and it seems like most college football fans do, and that. Specifically, let's just talk you and I. We 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 love the sound bites. We love the stories of him, like him muskrat hunting, and he still knows how to skin it. And he did a, an interview in French after the game with some French reporter. All that stuff is great. But why I really love him because because he doesn't play that hater card that everybody plays. Everybody's out to get us. We don't care about the media, but we care about what you say. Like that stuff just drives me crazy. And to the best of my knowledge, I think I read a pretty decent amount about him. I don't watch every press conference, but to the best of my knowledge. It doesn't seem like he plays that card like very often, if at all. I can't even recall a time when he's like actually yelled at people. And when I say yelled at people, yes, I'm looking at Dabo Sweeney because I get so sick of it. I can't recall a time that Ed Orgeron has actually yelled at people about nobody believing him. Then. Like, he should. If there's one guy in college football right now, Ed Orgeron should be on this tour just screaming at people. I mean, imagine if somebody like Dabo was in Ed Orgeron's shoes, where he's basically been doubted. And everybody has always liked Ed Orgeron the person. But, and this is kind of what we'll get to in the apology tour here, but not I I don't believe that there is a single person in the world. Even the the administration at LSU, I don't believe there's a single person in the world that thought that Ed Orgeron was going to lead LSU to a national championship in his third season. So if anybody should be yelling at people across the world, it's Ed Orgeron, because nobody thought he was going to be there. And that's kind of where our apology tour starts. And we've touched on this a couple of times, or at least three or four different times during the season, how I can't remember a coach going through this type of transition where everyone's like, yeah, Ed's a great guy. I would like to have him as a defensive line coach at my school. I'm a fan of him. I have no tie to to USC or where else. He's been to Tennessee, Ole Miss, um, now LSU. I have no rooting interest, not just me specifically, but just as a fan, no rooting interest in any of the schools he's been in. but. He seems like a great guy. I'd love to have him on the staff. Nobody actually thought he was going to do this, right? I mean, who... I, I can't think of anybody that that deserves to say, I knew he was going to do this. I knew he was going to make these hires. Now that Joe Bray is getting a ton of credit, now that Joe Burrow's is getting a ton of credit, but Ed Orgeron should get the bulk of the credit here. Unless I'm just... Am I totally out of line here by saying he should just go out and scream at everybody now?
0: I, I get what you're saying on he, he has the grounds to do so, but that's just not really what he's going to do. I think, I think right, I'm, your... not, I'm
1: not saying like he's actually should yeah. do
0: that, but like, if there's
1: anybody I like, get, yeah, yeah. That have the, has the grounds to do it. It's him. It's not dabble. Everybody's been kissing his ass for the last what five, yeah. six years where he's in at Clemson. It's at Orgeron. I mean, he, the transition, well, we, we were all he...
0: making fun of him because, Oh, LSU hired a guy because of his accent. Like that's, <laughs> that's the whole reason they hired him. And, and that might not, that might still be true. Like I, I don't, I don't think they hired him first and foremost because he had some incredible schematic vision for what LSU football should be.
1: And there's been nothing to suggest, yeah, he did a fine job at USC, but like Ole Miss was fine. Like his assistant stops have been fine, but it's not like his resume was just caked with these massive scheme things that he's done. So, again, I don't, I guess if I told you when they made him permanent head coach late in, uh, I think it was like November of 2016. That in three years he was gonna have a national championship, you would have you would have just blatantly said no.
0: It's already happened, and I still kind of can't believe it.
1: Like when I said at the beginning that Ed Orgeron is on top of the college football world. If you told me that three years ago, I would have I wouldn't have been able to process that that just happened. I thought maybe he'd be like the DC at a, at a job. By by now he would have been fired from LSU. Now he's the DC at Alabama or whatever, and he's a top of college football world as one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. But head coach LSU and somebody that everybody is now bowing down to, not only the off the field stuff, the fun stuff, how he talks, but Ed Orgeron as a coach, he should
0: go yell at everybody. He sh- maybe he should. Um, as as sort of an aside, and, and this is definitely the podcast where we want to talk up Orgeron. Like this is his moment, so I don't really want to do anything that approaches like shitting on him, but I guess I'm gonna kind of go in that direction for a second anyway. It's kind
1: of the equivalent of like, yeah, I don't mean to sound racist and then you say something extremely totally. racist. Totally, that's
0: exactly what I just did. When, when Sabin wins a national championship with Alabama or when Dabo wins a national championship with Clemson, don't you kind of ascribe... Most of the responsibility to that for those two guys, like when when they win, you go, oh, it's because Saban is an incredible coach. Yeah,
1: it's not Kirby Smart, and even though Brent Venables gets a ton of credit, yeah, I think Dabble, yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a good Should
0: point. should we do that with on here? Be, and I'm not necessarily even looking for an answer here. I'm I'm just wondering because in my head, and maybe I'm still trying to adjust to this world where he won a national championship at LSU, but. Like, I don't think about it like that. I don't think about it like Orgeron won this national championship. I, I And maybe it's because that's not what I think his skill set is. I think he has a different skill set than those other two guys. I, I think he goes about it differently. And I'm basing that based off of conversations I've heard between uh, players that used to play for him at USC or other places. I, I just don't think about him like that as those guys. As he's this great institution that builds this... this you know, football first, hyper-focused culture. Or I guess when you think about Dabo at Clemson, you think about like oh, family and like all, and all that stuff, and they go to church together and all that. I don't think about that with him. I, I think about this LSU run more as how singular Joe Burrow was, and, and just the the excellent quarterback play, and all those fantastic wide receivers in the offense, and and Brady, and all of this stuff more than it's what Orgeron built. It's what he has accomplished. It's how he has exerted his will as a head coach into every corner of this program. Is that fair for me to think like that?
1: I think it's fair, but also I I kind of want to just tell you to shut up and I want to tell myself to shut up because I I hate, and you've, you've talked about this a lot on the podcast, how when something happens, we all just want to overanalyze it instead of just enjoying the moment. And I agree that the second half of that game kind of kind of dragged on, and it kind of gave people the opportunity to, to to overanalyze it, whereas the first half was just phenomenal going up and down the field. Clemson taking the early lead and coming back. That was awesome. Second half dragged on, and maybe that's why we're doing it, but even if it hadn't dragged on, it seems like everybody has to jump to the big picture stuff, and we're doing it here. I mean, I'm not saying that, that we don't do it. Everybody just does it intentionally or unintentionally, but... That's why I kind of just wanted to interrupt you and, and move on because why, why do we have to do this? Why can't we just sit here and say, God, that you know that was a really fun game for two and a half quarters. I, I don't know why we can't do that and just enjoy what maybe this kind of falls into the whole. I think people complain about college football way too much. There, there are actual real problems in college football. We saw one of them with the targeting ejection. I don't know why the player has to be ejected. There are problems with college football. There were no problems with college football last night after that, aside from that that targeting ejection. I thought last night was perfectly fine. We'll get to this. I want to talk about the Pac-12 refs during my apology tour here, but it seems like after that game, even though we were all praising Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and Orgeron and, and even like Dave Aranda for the defensive game plan against Trevor Lawrence, there was a lot of complaining. And I don't want to react to this mob that doesn't exist, but there was complaining by real, respected sports people on Twitter. And I'm kind of sick of it because we have this beautiful game of college football, and I bitch about it too. I mean, you, you bitch about it too. Everybody bitches about college football, but maybe it just falls under, let's just stop complaining about a great sport, and we can admit that there are problems here and there. But overall, that was just a fun night, and I don't care that it lasted four and a half hours. It could have gone five and a half hours, and I wouldn't have cared about it.
0: Yeah, I, that was a weird complaint on Twitter last night. Like all the journalists like, "Man, this game is so long." Like how, like how am I sp- I'm supposed how would to have stay been different 1 o'clock in the right, morning so to watch this at game?
1: 6:30 East or 6:30 Central instead? Like what? Well, Wait, my, that's not going to happen.
0: My thing is if you're like a steel mill worker, I will listen to that complaint. If you're a journalist, like I I'm a journalist. We don't have anything to do in the morning. Like We sleep until 10 and we file late. Like, that's the job. What do you have to do in the morning besides drink some mimosas and go into the newsroom at 2.30? Like, you don't have anything to do. Why are you complaining?
1: Well, the season's over, too. The coaching carousel is still spinning a little bit, and we'll get into early signing period. And and spring football will will pop up here in a month and a half or so, but the season's over. Yeah, we'll get, like, the early top 25s, but, like, my newborn could put one of those together in 60 seconds.
2: Texas like,
1: twenty one. Yeah, how about Texas A and M twenty four?
0: Mm, those Aggies. Nebraska
1: is this the time? Nebraska nineteen. But I yeah. really
0: like what Scott Frost is doing. I feel like he's he's got some momentum. Anyway, you know? so that I think that's kind
1: of part one of the apology tour. I think that I owe an apology to Ed Orgeron. Do you feel like you do too?
0: Um, I, I mean, I, I've definitely made jokes like privately. Like I I was at my parents' house for Thanksgiving and we had some college football game on because it's a sports household and that's what we do. And like one of the commercials was Ed Orgeron like selling a car with somebody, and I was like, oh, this is this is hilarious." And I was like, "Mom, look, it's Ed Orgeron selling a car." Like I, m- I make dumb comments like that. I don't think I've blasted him uh, publicly, but I, yeah, sure. I, but
1: I just mean more going back to when he was hired. You didn't, I didn't think that was the right hire. I thought that that was the easy feel-good hire, and they were going after Tom Herman and didn't get him, and that's why they ended up with that Orgeron. They claimed that he was number two on the list. We don't actually know that for a fact unless they admit it, but going back to that, you didn't think that he was going to do what he's doing at LSU.
0: Of course I didn't think that, Right. but I also thought, I, I, I understood the hire, I guess maybe I was m- more willing to suspend my belief than other people. I was like, you know what, they just want to go in a different direction. Fine. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be successful, but this—they're—they're they're trying to zag. After you know, after the Tom Herman stuff falls away, they got to pick somebody. They went with a guy they feel like gets them, you know, with the absence of another obvious go-to name on the board that you can get because you're LSU and you can—you just have it like that. Yeah, whatever. I, so I'll
1: write the apology letter and, and sign your name. Sure, that's fine. Who else do you want to apologize to?
0: Uh, I—I think I feel like I have a big one. Uh, And and it's because of this podcast. Probably three months ago, I absolutely ripped Justin Fuente a new asshole. Uh, (laughs) On this podcast, they were two and two.
1: We even talked about who was going to replace him. We did,
0: yeah. And a lot of the time when you hit me up before a show and and we're talking about like, oh, we want to do a segment on who could replace X coach at X program, that's driven by you and I have input like this was all me. I was like, I what is going on in Blacksburg? Like, when, like there were two and two. One of the wins was over an FCS school, the other was ODU, which was arguably worse than the FCS school that they beat cuz Furman was pretty good this year. They lost 45-10 at home to Duke. Like, it was bad. And I came out that week and I absolutely smashed them and all they did was go 6 and 2 the rest of the season and come within just a testicle hair of winning the ACC Coastal and going to the championship game. So uh, I I, I got to own up to that one. I think a lot of people could have said the same thing in my defense, but you know I, I said it was broken, and it clearly wasn't broken. I was wrong. Uh, my bad. Uh, apologies to all of my faithful, loving Blacksburg fans. So many good visuals there.
1: I want to apologize to... I don't even know who to direct this to, so I'm just going to direct it to college football. I apologize for buying into the Texas hype and ranking them ninth in my preseason rankings.
0: You should apologize for that.
1: I apologize in the the same degree, and I, I didn't go back and look, but I think I had Nebraska like 26, and that wasn't nearly as high as most. Most people had them in their top 20, so that's kind of my defense. Some of them had them at like 14 or 15, and we're actually talking playoff. I'm not just making that up. Some people were talking about Nebraska play a Big Ten championship game, so I didn't buy into it that much, but I still feel obligated to apologize to, to the college football gods for buying into that Texas hype, ranking them ninth in my preseason rankings, and you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, I actually kind of like what Texas has coming back, but sort of as a penance to myself for what I did in the preseason to them in Nebraska, I'm just not going to put them as high as I think they should. Even if I look through everything come June or July or whatever, and I think that Texas is the ninth best team in the country again, I'm not putting them ninth. I need to come up with some sort of number or or algorithm to say, whatever I have them, I'm going to double it and and add one or something like that. I'm not going to do it even if I think they are the ninth best team. Even if I think Nebraska is the 25th best team, I'm going to move those teams down as a penance to myself.
0: Fair. Fair. All fair. What else you got? Chris Kleiman in Kansas State. I Really? We were both all over that hire. Well, okay. I was all over the hire. As an FCS guy, I know Chris Kleiman. I love Chris Kleiman. Incredible coach. Does great. My problem was I was looking at that roster and I'm going, you know, you can only put so much lipstick on a pig, right? Like, I I don't think they're going to be very good this year. It was actually a key factor in why I took so many other, uh, so many overs for season wins in, in the Big 12. I, w- I was all over Baylor. I was all over Oklahoma State. Like I, I considered them in the like West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas level, and I, I thought people were just going to jump all over them, like happened with a couple other uh, Big 12 bottom dwellers this year. And I mean how much wronger could I And I noticed like by the end of September I was like Okay L definitely wrong on that Uh, And and then I jumped on the bandwagon But yeah I definitely thought They were going to suck this year and they were 8-4 and Almost beat a top 25 team in their bowl win. basically single handedly Kept Oklahoma out of the playoff themselves I mean it was was a great year for them And they're only going to go up from here
1: Going back to the Pac-12 refs, I want to apologize to the Pac-12 refs after that national championship game. And going back to that game, I haven't rewatched it or even watched that many of the highlights or, or read if there were any other controversial calls that I somehow missed. The only ones that I can only one that I can think of is when Edward Ziegler's, uh fingers touched out of bounds, but they ran the next play so quickly that that I don't even know how that would have gotten buzzed in on time so I'm not even sure that goes against the Pac12 refs in that case I just assume that that this crew would botch it because a, a couple of people on that crew were part of that Washington State replay debacle last year uh, where, where the conference got involved and a couple officials then got demoted or suspended, that Benny Snell stuff, uh, last year or two years ago. Uh, in my defense, they didn't really deserve the benefit of the doubt entering that game. I think they called a heck of a game. I assume they were going to botch something. And if if all they botched, unless I'm just forgetting something or I haven't seen something, if all they botched were Edwards' e Laird, uh, fingers touching out of bounds, I think the Pac-12 refs call a hell of a game. I think I should owe them owe them a smidgen of an apology
0: here. I got one more and it's, it's a team and a coach that has been very easy to make fun of the last couple years. And, it, and I'm certainly not the only one. And that is the Michigan Wolverines. Okay. I definitely made fun of Michigan this year. Not as much as other people, but I did. And I don't think it was warranted in hindsight. Uh, they, they were good this year, I, I think, and, and they didn't finish the year this way, but I think this is like a top 15 team in college football in 2019. Look at their losses. They lost to Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Penn State and Wisconsin were on the road. Alabama was in the bowl game. Like, those are pretty good teams, and you can be behind all four of those teams and still be a top 15 team. You can't have four losses and be a top fifteen team because that's just the stupid way we do this. But I, I think they probably are. You know, they they beat Iowa, they killed Notre Dame, Georgia didn't kill Notre Dame, Michigan did. Uh they they won at Illinois and Indiana. Those are both pretty respectable wins. But they
1: still got I, I see your point, and I I agree that they're probably a top fifteen team. I had I didn't do like any sort of postseason rankings, but they got slaughtered by Wisconsin, like embarrassingly slaughtered, and they got slaughtered by Ohio State. That's my problem. So I don't even – I mean, in top 15 just I seems so I think the so Wisconsin arbitrary. thing
0: is more interesting than, because a lot of people got killed by Ohio State.
1: I get it, but, but you're you're Michigan. Like, you're – what is this? You're – that was year five, well, I think, of Harbaugh? And that's like the problem You shouldn't be with doing this. that. That's so the, why are you apologizing?
0: The problem with this is if you're Michigan – and your top 15, that's fine for me. I think Michigan is an overhyped program anyway. It has been for a long time. But the problem is that they, they create the hype for themselves, right? They, they talk about how there's some elite program and they're not. And they're, there's no problem being a top 15 you know, football team or top 15 football program. That's, that's more than respectable. If they would just dial it down a little bit on the obnoxious factor, I feel like a lot of people not wouldn't necessarily come to their side but but might look around at a team like this and go, you know what, they were good this year. And, and we probably didn't give them their due because we wanted to make Jim Harbaugh jokes.
1: And I think one defense on that, we're going to move on to your wrong here, is that... I feel like they have dialed it down. Like, after Harbaugh was doing, like, when he was shirtless at camp, when he was doing the jersey thing, and they were having the satellite camps, that were pissing everybody off, and he was talking and doing the recruiting sleepovers, he's really toned it down. Like, the results haven't gotten really any better. This team has not improved that much in the last two or three years. But I feel like they have toned it down. But at the same time, I I don't know—I still don't know why you're apologizing to them. I don't think— being because I a- clowned
0: a- them after the Wisconsin loss and said, you know, this isn't a top 25 team. You know, they never beat good teams. They just beat up on, you know, the average parts of the Big Ten. And, and then they say, hey, we're Michigan, we're amazing. And that's not what they were this year. So it's a slight apology, but I, th- I feel like it's merited.
1: I don't think it's merited. Let's play you wrong. So that targeting call uh, on Skalski in, I think it was the second half, the third quarter of that game. That was the easy right call. People need to stop saying it was controversial. And again, going back to what I said, this isn't just Twitter trolls saying it was controversial. Like, Pro Football Focus tweeted it out. I think Sporting News used the word controversial. It's it's one of those tweets where, oh, did they get it right? The rule is stupid. He should not be ejected. The call was absolutely right. There was no discrepancy on that. So tell me that I'm wrong and that we need to stop pretending like every single ejection on a targeting call is controversial.
0: Am I saying you're wrong about the general idea or that specific call? When it do you agree that this was an easy call,
1: hundred percent right, the right call? It was targeting, right. So therefore, he is ejected. Yeah. So why is anybody? So I'm saying, why are we? Why are we calling it controversial?
0: Because because people want something to talk about. Tw- hey, tweet back at us. You know, hey, like our Instagram. Hey, what posts. do you guys
1: think? Yeah, what do you guys think? Let us know what you think on Snapchat. Yeah,
0: a lot of talk on Twitter in our uh, in our 8:30 radio segment about this uh, targeting call last night. It's, it's that it's, you know, it's manufactured, so I don't care.
1: Number two, don't change the start time of the national championship game. It is absolutely 100% fine that it starts at eight Eastern. And we kind of just talked about this. So many people were, I mean, what do you, what do you want to start at seven Eastern and four o'clock on the West coast? I mean, come on, who
0: cares? Stay up an hour later I don't have a problem with it being at eight, and you're in Eastern Time too. I am. I don't have a problem with it being at eight, but I'm I'm not like hardcore against changing it either. Like if you wanted to make like a day out of it, like I, I'm not somebody that has to take off work for stuff because that's just not like the the adult job sh- situation that I have. But like if I if it was. And if if it was like it started at four or five, like I would take off work. Like I got like
1: New Year's Day. If you were had exactly. like a,
0: a non traditional job, yeah, you like, would take off. Of like work. Like gimme, gimme whatever situation helps me make like a day of it. I, I get to I go to a bar at like one o'clock and like pregame the game, and I know I'm gonna watch it with my friends and like go to a watch party. And the game starts at six, and then I'm you know I'm in home in bed by you know, 11 or whatever, and I can get up and go to my normal job that I don't have. So you
1: feel like this limits options to watch the game and it limits your options for the day?
0: I feel like it It makes it really hard to, there, there's a couple ways you look, I guess the normal way to look at it would be, I can't stay up that late because I have to go to work the next day, not me, but like, that's how a lot of people probably feel. For me, it's like, I don't know if I can drink that long. Like, I can't start drinking at 2 and stay up to watch a game that ends at 1 o'clock in the morning.
1: But even the people with traditional jobs, this game, I think it got over around 11.15 Central. I think it was around that ballpark. I go to bed pretty early, just because I like getting a long good night's sleep. I'm, I try to be in bed by like 10 or 10.30. i I'm, thirty. I'm in the minority on that. I'm 31 years old, and I would assume that at least 75% of people go to bed
0: 11 o'clock or later. Do you think that's fair? I think it totally depends on what kind of adult you are. Or do you have kids? Are you married? Okay, kind you're of overcomplicating thing. the situation. Yeah. People
1: are bitching about going to bed at, and you didn't even need to stay awake for the last, what, seven or eight minutes? That it, it dragged. Yeah. Like I said, was the second over. half dragged a little bit. You knew when it bit. was over, yeah. But once it got to, I mean, even at 35, 25, it felt like it was over. I was pretty darn. I think I even texted my cousin, it's over. And then at 42.25, I can't remember what, at what time that that touchdown was scored. I think it was like with at least seven or eight minutes left. The game was over. So at, at that point, I feel like it's on you. If you want to stay up and watch the post-game coverage, that's your problem, and now you're going to bitch about it. If you didn't want to do that, because I think that, that, that last touchdown was scored around like 11 central, because that's kind of when I started getting ready for bad, and then I kept, kept it on to... Could see like the final few minutes, but you could have watched that and still gone to bed at like eleven or eleven fifteen central.
0: How about this? Comprom- That's not that late. Compromise. It stays at eight. We play it on a Friday instead of a Monday.
1: I I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. I don't see why it's such a big deal that it needs to be changed. I don't have an answer to that. Can I go to number three? It's kind of in in the same realm, I guess. Go for it. Never play the national championship outside again. So next year, it's in Miami. Two years from now, it's, it's the new Los Angeles Stadium. I, I just don't want weather impacting this game, and I don't know if that's even fair of me to say because weather impacts dozens, maybe hundreds of FBS games every single season, but I don't want the threat of weather for this game. It didn't. I think it rained in Santa Clara last year maybe, but I can't remember. I want this game to be inside every single year.
0: How did you feel about the New York Super Bowl?
1: I don't remember how I felt in the moment. I was younger then; I was immature,
0: as opposed to now, when you're basically ready to run for president, four years away. Four
1: years. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And that's been. I'm, I'm a Packers fan, and there's been a lot of talk of the Packers trying to get a Super Bowl. It won't happen because Green Bay just doesn't have the infrastructure for that. But I don't feel as bad about that. But this game, for some reason, it, I I don't want it to be outside.
0: I don't have a problem with this. I can't tell you you're wrong, uh, but I don't. I don't care if it's outdoors either. Like this is another one where I'm just like, I don't feel strongly either way. Like keep it the way it is, change it. I don't care. I'm gonna watch either way. And and I think for the most part they keep them in these these southern cities where weather doesn't impact it very often. Unlike the FCS championship game, which is somehow in Texas yet it snows every year. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's not like the national championship game is going to Denver.
0: Right, yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> I think that
1: would be it. I mean, it is. I think it's in Indianapolis in a couple of years. and that Minneapolis has, has tried to get it, and it maybe it could be in, in Detroit or somewhere. But, I mean, yeah, like, this game isn't going to be at Soldier Field. But still, I don't want, like, next year in Miami, there's a, a decent chance that weather could impact that game. And I don't want it. I don't want a slip to impact this game. Number four, and this is going to kind of tie everything back together here before we wrap it up. I think that Ed Orgeron's success will change, at least how a few programs hire coaches over the next few years, and I think that more programs will. We, this kind of came up when Arkansas hired Sam Pittman from Georgia; that they're finding their coach O. I think more programs will look for their coach O, and as a result, they will force a hire and they will fail in doing
0: so. Oh, totally, yeah. And that's not even new. I mean, I mean, we saw. Can what I happened say with, you're with right? The- Can I go aggressively in your direction? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. to- that's totally going to happen. I mean, there is we, yeah, no that, like, chance that that doesn't yeah. happen.
1: Do you think that the same thing would happen with Joe Brady? Like, I want the third, and there's been, I think, I can't remember if it was Ross Dellinger wrote about it. This was before the chapter's report that Brady was leaving. He said, if Brady leaves, look for them to keep an eye on Brent Deerman, who was promoted to Kansas offensive coordinator. And last year, Brent Deerman was the head coach of an NAIA program. So it's kind of the same thing where, Everybody, and I feel like LSU can just do it because obviously Ed Orgeron spotted something in Brady that he can spot in some, somebody else. But this isn't new like in football or sports, but I think that with his success, people are going to try to find a guy like that. Whereas we've learned very a lot over the last couple of years how unique Ed Orgeron is. I think some people are going to force somebody into that mold, and it's not going to work. I don't know if Sam Pittman's that person, but it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, there, there's no chance that th- – I'm not saying it's going to happen at LSU specifically, but absolutely. The, I mean, the, it's just like sort of the stuff that happened in the NFL at the beginning of the last uh, this past right. season, right? Like everybody was trying to find the new wonderkin, and then like three of them failed immediately. <laughs> you
1: know? like, and then Cliff Kingsbury, the one that everybody's been blasting, he had a great
0: year. Yeah, so it's just that's how this stuff works. One thing worked because it's a copycat league and it's college football is the same way. One thing works and everybody ignores all of the context around it and all of the secondary elements and goes, Hey, that's what we need to do. All the ADs go, that's what we need to do. That's the new model. We need to do that. And then 65% of them fail immediately. And another 30% fail later down the line. Always a pleasure. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it again soon.
1: Guys, stick around and have Sam hurt around a little bit. Just talked to him uh, yesterday. A lot of good stuff on NDSU. FBS, and then Chase, you and I will probably be back sometime over the weekend, early next week, maybe. Perhaps we got to fire up the the off season content, talk some uh, college basketball, get into some more betting stuff, some uh, strategy stuff from you. Uh, but yeah, stick around for Sam Herder, Chase. Always good to see you. You too, man. North Dakota State hit sixteen and all with that win over James Madison Saturday's title game down there in Texas, the first Division One team to hit 16 and 0. I think the year was 1894. So first team to do that in more than a century. And during that game, before that game, after that game, I wasn't the only one thinking it. I'm absolutely certain that I haven't been the only one thinking about it during the last 9 years of this NDSU dynasty eight championships in the last 9 years unprecedented success uh, at the FCS level after the, at the or at the FBS level and I was looking actually back at they now have as many championships as losses over that time. And we now have Sam Herter, Hero Sports FCS coverage on the line. And and Sam, basically, I want to ask you a few things here. But number one, when is North Dakota State going to jump to the FBS? I know that you have said you don't think it's going to happen. Can you definitively say that it's not going to happen in the next three, four, five years in the near future, I guess?
2: Well, I couldn't definitively say that, that it's not going to happen. You know, I, I just don't, there hasn't been any implications that 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 NDSU is interested in making the jump. There hasn't been any, you know, signs that, you know, FBS uh, conferences are interested in NDSU joining uh, their conferences. And that's kind of where it starts. You know, NDSU needs a conference invite first for things to kind of, you know, go from there. And ever since 2013, when NDSU won its first three national championships in a row, it's kind of been this this discussion of when is NDSU going to jump up and we're not anywhere close to that happening now than we were back in 2013. And, you know, I don't think there's plenty of reasons why I don't think it's going to happen, you know, whether it's NDSU simply doesn't have the athletic budget to do so um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, from the, from the perspective of what they want to do and even if they did get a, an invite from the Mac, yeah, you know, I think they would view things as, you know, what's better playing in the Valley and playing for FCS national titles versus playing in the MAC, you know, even if they did get an invite, I don't know if they would go. And um, so I I guess I can't definitively say that, you know, this offseason all of a sudden NDSU is going to announce that they're exploring the opportunity to jump to the FBS. That could happen. I just highly, highly doubt it. And I think NDSU is kind of waiting until, you know, things shake out where maybe the Power Five split off the, the group of five and some FCS teams, you know, kind of form their own thing where they can compete for, where they can keep on competing for national championships. And I think, I don't think NDSU is ever going to jump to a subdivision where they can't legitimately, you know, compete for a national title every year.
1: Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but to the best of my knowledge, I don't have my finger on the FCS pulse, a fraction of what you and your colleague, Brian McLaughlin do. But I think it was like last year, a couple of years ago, James Madison's AD at the time. I'm not sure if it's still the AD, he's still the AD or not, but he had, he basically came out and, said, and made some sort of statement about the FBS. I can't remember exactly what he said. Like they are exploring it. If it's a good option, they would do it. If it makes sense financially, yada yada yada. Has NDSU ever really addressed it beyond just saying that's not a move that we're that we're exploring right now?
2: The the AD uh, at NDSU and the president get asked about it all the time, and and even the head coach. I don't know Chris Kleiman, has been asked asked about it all the time, and usually the the, the question is. You know, you know, what do you think about the FBS? Is that ever an option? And the answer always is like where we're at right now. We always consider ourselves to be in that, that, that second tier uh, of, of the, of college football. And so that's when I say if the power five ever were to split off and there, there was that kind of that second tier that could compete for a national title. I think that's when NDSU would really, really start to explore things, you know, where if it ever gets to the point where the group of five decides to do their own thing and decide the group of five has their own 24 team playoff or even a 16 team playoff. I think that's when NDSU would really explore it. But for right now, uh, the, the AD uh, and the presidents have always said that the, the second tier um of college football is where they think that they need, to, they need to be just because of NDSU, because of Fargo, because of the athletic departments it, It'd be very hard for NDSU to jump up and join the world of the Ohio States and the Michigans of the world.
1: Now, Sam, I want to see it selfishly as a college football fan, not even somebody that covers the sport, but I just want to see it because I want to see like NDSU in the Mountain West, and I want to ask you, it's something that I really have a hard time with, and we've seen NDSU beat you know Power Five FBS teams in the past. I can't remember the last time they actually lost one of those games. I don't think they've played one. And correct me if I'm wrong on that since that Iowa game in 2016. But the one thing that I have a hard time with is over the course of a 12 game season, how good would let's take this NDSU team this year? How good would they be in the FBS? Like each year when they when they win a title, I want to know how good they would be. And Sam I know that you don't follow the FBS that closely so this question for you how good would NDSU be in the FBS I'm more curious generally what you th- like think about it I-, I know that NDSU has received top 25 votes in the past like is NDSU a legitimate top 25 team this year are they a a 9 or a 10 win team if they were in the Mountain West would they be I don't know like a middle tier Big 10 team would they be in the top half of the American, is there any way that you can think of to quantify, and you can use past NDSU teams if you want. I know that that you spent a lot of time talking about which teams you think are the best teams in FCS history. So either this year Mm -hmm. or past years, you know, where, where does NDSU football sit for you? Again, is there any way for you to somehow quantify that?
2: It's hard to really gauge. Uh, I, I do think, you know, for example, this year's team probably would fall in the, 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 26 to 35 range uh, in the FBS, but it's always hard to gauge because yeah, the, the last time NSU did play an FBS opponent, it was it was 2016 against Iowa. I guarantee you, if if they played again the week after Iowa, probably would have won by 24 points just because NSU was beat up. They, they don't have the depth, and, and that's kind of always the the tricky part. Is is NSU? Yes, they they've won. I think they're six and zero against the FBS in the 2010s. Uh, but you have to take into consideration that there's 22 less scholarships. So these Bison teams over the course uh, of, an, of, a, of an FBS season, I think, would eventually get beat up a little bit. Uh, but then you can, you know, if they were an FBS team, they would have 22 more scholarships. And I do think NDSU would be a, a top three team in a conference like the Mountain West, probably would be a middle-of-the-road team in, in the Big 12 or the Big 10 if you do give them 22 more scholarships. But the thing that is interesting that, you know, maybe not a lot of people talk about is the reason NDSU is able to compete with FBS teams as far as recruiting is because they're not an FBS team. I mean, a lot of their guys that they get uh, that that also have FBS offers, they come to NDSU because they want to compete for national championships and they want to compete for rings uh, and trophies and stuff like that. And so if all of a sudden NDSU, does make the jump to F, to the FBS and they're just another you know another really good Group of Five program. You know I don't know if their if their recruiting is really going to increase that much because like I said a lot of guys come to NDSU to win FCS national championships they don't want to go to the FBS you know and compete for random bowl games so that's one thing that's also interesting as well is is how NDSU recruits and how they kind of play the yes we're F we're FCS. Um, and these FBS programs might be telling you, you know, you can play at the FCS and you, or you can play at the FBS. What would you rather do? Well, some of these recruits would rather play at the FCS level.
1: Really quickly, going back to kind of the first part of your answer, there, what I asked you, and, and you've spent a lot of time in Fargo. You've spent a lot of the, a lot of time in and around this program over what the last decade or so. Do you get the feeling that that NDSU fans and those within the program? kind of share, when I asked you to quantify it, I mean, you said like maybe a top three team in the Mountain West in that 26 to 35 range. Do you get the feeling that that fans and those within the program kind of share that, or do they think that if they're in the Big Ten, they're winning nine games? Do they think if they're in the Big Ten, they're winning four games? Do you think they generally agree with how you just quantified that?
2: Probably, uh, as far as the fan base, I, I, I really don't think you know, NDSU kind of does the cliche stuff of, you know, we're just focused on this week, this opponent, but, you know, they they really do um, kind of have that mantra and they kind of have to when, you know, every week they're every every week, you know, they're their opponent's Super Bowl win. So I don't think, you know, I don't think NDSU as far as inside the program looks at it as, yeah, this team could be, you know, could beat most of the big 10 teams or, you know, most of the top, the bottom half of the big 10 teams or anything like that. I don't think the players and coaches really think that way, but I do think generally the fan base realizes that this team could compete pretty well at the FBS level. Uh, again, it's just a matter of, of is the money there? The, the Fargo you know, is it big enough? Uh, the travel costs and, and all of that. You know, competing for FCS national titles versus competing bowl versus competing in, in bowl games. Uh, I like I said, I do think NDSU fans know they can go to the FBS and probably be a pretty good FBS program. Um, but I, I think a majority of the fans, while some might be, you know, start having some fatigue and start getting bored with NDSU success, um, and, have, and are starting to lose interest. I still think a, a good chunk, probably even a majority of of NDSU fans, still want to remain in the FCS, even though they know they would be a pretty good FBS program as well.
1: Last thing for you we here: we're only what. Two days removed from closing the book in the 2019 season, but a lot of people are already looking ahead, and I know that's it been mentioned um, in the weeks leading up to the, the national championship game, even during the regular season, and you had mentioned they haven't played uh, an FBS team since Iowa back in 2016. They do get that opportunity in 2020. Uh, with Oregon out in Eugene, they were able to get not only an FBS team on the schedule, but one of the top tier Power Five teams. Uh, right now, I know that you've talked about on LionHeroSports.com, you've talked about in your FCS podcast, you've talked about it on Twitter. How much NDSU has coming back, and they will again be the the heavy favorite to win the championship again next year. Is there any reason to believe? Not sure how much you know about what Oregon has coming back, but is there any reason to believe that NDSU? Won't have a real shot at winning that game in Eugene eight months from now.
2: I think they'll have a shot. Yeah, definitely. I I don't think I would pull the trigger on NDSU getting a win, but I think the the Bison are going to be an even better squad next year, and I think they're going to go into that. You know, even even though I guess you know, if my math serves me correctly, none of the players on the on the roster have played against an FBS team. Um, I don't think they'll go in there wide eyed or anything like that, and so I do think they have a legit shot. Uh, going in there and competing really well. The thing that'll be interesting is, is I've always said that you can't out Bison the Bison. You can't line up in a phone booth and, and beat the Bison no matter if you're an FCS team or an FBS team. You know, it was, it, it was a bad matchup for Iowa and, and Kansas state and teams like that, because they just try to line up and say, all right, we, I mean, this is, this is an FCS team. Let's just line up and run the ball all over them and, you know, get a win and you can't out Bison the Bison. And this Oregon, uh, game is going to be a little bit different uh just because i mean the duck do play uh they, they do have the ability to play physical but i don't think NDSU will will have seen just the level of athletes and the speed um and you know I, so that, that's going to be the interesting part is you know they were able to line up you know and knock hats with with the, with iowa and kansas state to the world but how are they going to be able to defend the speed of oregon and i think that's that i think that'll be the biggest difference is you know while NDSU is a really athletic team you know, I just don't think they they have the athletes to to go in there and actually pull off the upset. But I do think if any Ducks fans you know think their team is is, is going to win thirty one to seven, uh, I I won't, I won't count on a score like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking we're we're talking for this podcast here on Monday, January thirteenth. This game is is what eight and a half months away, but it still feels like that it, it's it's. I mean, I, I don't know. As for me, I'm 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 a one hundred percent FBS guy, but I do keep an eye on the FCS. It never seems like. An FBS-FCS game is included. I made a list of the top 10 FBS versus FBS non-conference games. And if I was including FCS games... I would have had to have thought really hard about putting NDSU Oregon in the top three or top five there. It's not very often that we get a game like this that includes an FCS team and is one of the top three or five non-conference uh, games of the year. We have a lot of opportunities for upsets, but it's not often that it feels like we have this game. All right, Sam Herder, Hero Sports FCS coverage. Even if you're not an FCS guy, give him a follow on Twitter, Sam Herder FCS on Twitter. Hey, Sam, um, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on.